Welcome, the few, the proud. Awesome. This is that day, this is that day when you were swearing under your breath about buying the cheaper snowblower, wasn't it? At least it was for me. You're like, ah, no, I should have upgraded, but I was too cheap. I know why you're here. You want the Super Bowl prediction. So I, I get it. I mean, you're, you're going to come out in the middle of a blizzard because you've got money to lay down today, and you're, you're interested in what God has to say. So I went to God this week, and I said, God, tell me, how is it going to work? And God led me to Job 39, 26, which says, does the hawk take flight by your wisdom and spread its wings towards the south? Super Bowl's in Arizona. I mean, we should have probably read that last week when we thought the Seahawks, or two weeks ago when the Seahawks had no chance of coming back. It's in God's Word. Okay. But I was like, God, this doesn't help me anything. Who's going to win? And, and he took me to Leviticus eleven thirteen, which says, these are the birds you are to detest because they are detestable. The eagle, the vulture, any kind of raven, the owl, the gull, or any kind of hawk. So God detests the hawks. Now, Hold on a second. I know some of you are like, but what about the Blackhawks? You don't understand Hebrew. There's some, there's some stuff in the Hebrew that, that, that will let you know that this does not apply to the Blackhawks, okay? You see there it says the goal in the hawk. That's a sea hawk. That's how that works right there, okay? But, but I was, Lord, I, I need more. I mean, is there anything about the patriots? And I was like, no, there's no patriots in the Bible. And I said, well, what can, what, what can you give me? And, and he said, well, who's the quarterback for the patriots? Well, it's Tom Brady. Well, well, how many times has he won the Super Bowl? Three times. What's the root word for Brady? Braid. <laughs> this is, this is kind of like my big fat Greek wedding, Okay. And then he took me to Ecclesiastes 4.12, which says, three or even better for a triple Brady cord is not easily broken. So there it is. That's all I've got. You decide how much you want to bet on my advice. Um, I'm less than 50% on Super Bowl predictions, I think. So uh, I, would, I wouldn't advise it. Um, we're, we're talking today about the, uh, how to wreck your life, okay? And, and, I, and I want to tell you that it's so easy with what we're going to talk about today because what we're going to talk about today is dissatisfaction. I've, I've been traveling. I travel a lot. I hate traveling. I hate flying. I hate being in motels. But the worst part about traveling for me is, is this. It is the Sky Mall magazine. Do you know what I'm saying? That's the, that's the worst possible thing for me because I, I start looking through here and I start seeing things that I didn't know I needed. You know what I'm saying? Like, for example, who knew there was a, a, a globe that you could hide your alcohol in? Isn't that awesome? If you have Baptist grandparents and you never know when they're going to come over, you know, you're like, oh, don't worry about it. We can hide the alcohol in the globe. That's awesome. Uh, or, or how about this? I mean, uh, th there's the pillow that you can sleep forward on in the plane. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you, this is honest truth. I bought that. And it works. Because by the time you get it blown up, you passed out on the plane. So it makes it easier to sleep. I promise you. Okay. How about the wine glass sippy cup, um, you know, for your drunk uncle when he comes over to visit so he doesn't get wine all over your carpet. I love that. How about uh, the beer pager? Honey, have you seen my beer? No, just hit the button. Is that awesome? I mean, I, I'm getting older. I could use that. Or this is my all-time favorite, the, um, the glow-in-the-dark toilet seat. 
again, for those of us who are getting older, have to get up in the middle of the night, it's beautiful. Now, you could get a $2, you know, night lighter, you could spend 50 bucks on this. Um, this is the problem with what we're talking about today. And uh, it's, it's, it's the thing that makes it so difficult for us to try to understand how easy it is for us to want new things. And I doubt that, you know, you may have heard SkyMall's actually going out of business because they're, they're out of money. I don't think that's going to solve anything because I'm always going to find a way to want more. I'm always going to be in the same category as Mick Jagger who said, I can't get no, uh, right? I can't get no satisfaction. I try and I try and I try and I try, but I can't get no satisfaction. Dissatisfaction will ruin you as fast as anything. It will ruin you. Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy 6, 6 through 8, he said, listen, godliness with contentment is great gain. And we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. If we have food and clothing, we should be content with that. Are we? No, we never are. It's way harder today than I think it was in Paul's day because there's so many more things that we could want. There's so many, I've, I've, I've told you this before, but back in the 40s, they did, a, they did this thing where they, they polled people and they said, how many things do you think you could not live without? In the 40s, they said 15 things. You know, those are the things I couldn't live without. They asked the same question a couple years ago and, and the average was 93. Start thinking about it. All the new things, all the new, I mean, air conditioning, whatever, your iPhone, you know. I did without my iPhone for a little while when it was a biohazard. And, um, you know, I, I, it was a hard thing for me. I mean, I couldn't possibly do without it anymore, right? Isn't that the way you feel? Or all these things that we want. And Paul says, no, if you have food and clothing, that's really all you need. Just food and clothes, that's it. Not 93 things, just two things. So here's the deal. To the best of my knowledge... You've all probably eaten today, right? Super Bowl weekend's not a big fasting weekend. Paleo diet's out the door, right? Forget about it. We're, we're all moving on, right? And thankfully, all of you are clothed. Concerns me. <laughs> Concerns me about the people watching online. And I know that maybe some of them aren't, and that really freaks me out right now, but you do whatever you need to do. It's just, okay, I just don't want to know about it. Scripture says two things is what you need. And I say, I can't get no satisfaction. So what do we do with it? What do we do with it? Well, this is just one simple, easy way to wreck our life. It's really, really that simple. If I asked you how many of you think money would buy happiness, you'd say no. But if I asked you how many of you thought if you had a little bit more money, it'd be okay, you'd say yes. Because we really don't believe that everything is okay the way it is right now. Gallup did a poll and they asked people, how much money would you need to make your life better? Make it what you want. And what was interesting about this poll is that people that made $30,000 said if they made $60,000, everything would be okay. And people that made a million dollars said if I made $2 million, everything would be okay. Isn't that amazing? I mean, it was really that simple. Okay? So, so I want you to understand, I want you to get a hold of this, I want you, I want you to, I, I'm just going to help you how to, I'm just going to help you figure out how to wreck your life. One of the easiest ways to wreck your life is with the lie of dissatisfaction. It, it, it's so simple, and, and I know it because it started in the Garden of Eden, right? The very first thing that happened in the Garden of Eden is God plops us human beings into like this Hawaii setting, 
everybody's naked. It's, you know, you're naked, you're unashamed. God says, listen, you go be fruitful and multiply. Go have some shagah. Go have fun. You're in paradise. Everything's perfect. There's only one thing I want you to not do. Only one thing. Don't eat of that tree. Satan comes slithering along, and he says, did God really say you must not eat from any tree of the garden? That's starting to look really good right now, isn't it? That fruit up on that tree, I wonder what that tastes like. It's got to be better than all this other stuff. You see how Satan gets us? He wants to wreck our life. I mean, did that wreck our life? That wrecked their life. It wrecked our life. It brought sin into the world. When Satan tempted Jesus, he is going to use the most obvious, the best tools in his arsenal, right? Jesus tempted Satan three different times in the, in the fasting period before he started his ministry. What's he going to do? He's going to pull out his big guns. So he pulls out one of his big guns, and he took him to a high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world. He opened up the big Sky Mall magazine and said, look, here's all this stuff you could have, and I will give it to you if you bow down and worship me. Why? Because that's one of Satan's best tools. Obviously, Jesus didn't fall for it, but we fall for it. I fall for it over and over and over again. I wreck my life with dissatisfaction. Jesus told this story in Luke 12. He said, the ground of a certain rich man, remember, he's already rich, yielded an abundant harvest, and he thought to himself, well, what am I going to do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain, and I will say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years, so take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. doesn't say anything about Satan, but you know he was there. The father of lies. He was there. And instead of this guy just saying, I'm going to give the rest of it away. Everything's good. I'm okay with what I've got. He fell for the lie. And I want to to give you a name for the lie because I think this is really important. I want to call this the lie of something better. That, that, that's really probably one of the most basic tools that Satan will use to wreck your life. We started Financial Peace University this week. Uh, over 80 families involved in it. Three, over $3 million in non-mortgage debt. 80 families. Some families had 20 to 30 credit cards open. Why, why do we do that? Don't judge them. At least they went to the class. How many do you have? I mean... This is the problem. What is that? That's the lie of something more. Why do people play the lottery? I love Dave, Dave Ramsey calls the lottery stupid tax. All right? I mean, why, why, would, you, why would you take a gamble with, the, the, with what you've already got in, in hopes that maybe you're going to get a little bit more? What, what, what is that? That is the lie of something more, the lie of something better. That's what it is. And it's not just money. You may be dissatisfied with your body. And you know what? Maybe you ought to be on paleo. Maybe we ought to, you know, look better. Maybe we ought to feel better. I get all that. Maybe there's some health reasons, but maybe it's because you, you've got this lie of something better. Some of you are dissatisfied in your relationships. You're single and you're thinking, oh, someday when I get married, everything's going to be okay. And, and I want to tell you something. You're going to get married and you're going to go, maybe someday everything's going to be okay. Because that's the lie of something better. It doesn't matter whether you're married or not. There's always going to be the lie of something better out there. There's always the I can't get no satisfaction. So I'm going to build bigger barns. And I'm going to, you know, go figure out how to have more so I can eat, drink, and be merry. 
someday, because there's something better. So here's how we're doing it. This is how to wreck your life. So I'm giving you kind of the opposite advice that you would normally hear, just because it, it's kind of fascinating to think it through, all right? Here's four simple ways to wreck your life with dissatisfaction. Number one, be ungrateful, all right? Be ungrateful. The Bible says to give thanks in all circumstances, but don't do that, okay? Don't think about that. I, I know that th- what you need to think about are all the things that you don't have. That's the, just be ungrateful, because when you start to be grateful, then you're going to be content, and you're going to be satisfied, and we don't want that, so I want you to be ungrateful. Don't think about those things. Just think about all the things that you don't have. Now, Jesus tells this scripture, if you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Seriously? Do you believe that verse? If you still have an iPhone 5 or maybe an iPhone 4, could there be a good God in heaven if you don't have an iPhone 6? I mean, is that serious? Are we supposed to take you serious? Side note here, we're going to preach, uh, going to start a sermon series. Week out, next week is addiction. And then a week after that, we're going to start a sermon series called The God I Wish You Knew. And I really hope that you will come and be a part of this because if you don't understand who God is, it kinda, it kinda, it's kind of hard to have faith. It's kind of hard for everything else. If you don't understand that God is your Father, that God will forgive you for no matter what, if you don't understand that God loves you unconditionally, if you don't understand those things, it's hard to have a faith that's, that's grounded in anything. And what, we, what we're asking you to do is get in a small group. Casey and Pastor Brian from Lockport and myself taped the DVD curriculum for this. And all we need are hosts, right? You have a heart um, for, you know, people. Open up your home, serve some snacks, turn on the DVD. That's what a host does. That's all you need to do. Just, just sign up and say, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a host. We want, we, want, we want hundreds of new groups starting during this time. And you don't have to invite anybody else. Just take one and do it. Do your own group. We'd love for you to do that. Or if you feel like it, open up your home because we've got a lot of people that we need to connect to each other in our church. You have a heart, you open up your home, serve some snacks, turn on a DVD. That's all you need to do. You don't need to be a theologian. You don't need anything else. We just need you to sign up to be a host. So I want you to start thinking about that right now, all right? Because we need to understand who God is. Otherwise, we're going to be ungrateful. Okay, second way is, is you compare. I compare. It's interesting because the context of the barn story is really interesting. The context of Luke 12 is so weird. You're reading through Scripture, Jesus is teaching, and all of a sudden, for some unknown reason, some guy in the crowd goes, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus is not even talking about money. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. And all of a sudden, some, some guy goes, Hey, teacher, tell my brother to give me some of the inheritance. What was he doing? He's comparing. Do you understand that? He's comparing. A little kid went to his grandpa one day and said, Grandpa, could you make it sound like a frog? Grandpa said, sure, but why? Little kid said, because my parents said, when you croak, we're going to be rich. <laughs> Money does this to you, doesn't it? I, oh, why did they get more than me? I mean, do you, have, do you have kids in your family? You understand this. Teacher, tell my brother to be nice and share his inheritance with me. And Jesus said, man, who, who made me judge or arbiter between you? And then he said to them, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Because life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Come on. 
Yes, it does, Jesus. We all know that it does. We're going to watch multi-million dollar ads on TV this afternoon that are going to tell us that life, it's all about the abundance of our possessions. And the easiest way to, to get involved in that whole ungratefulness, dissatisfaction thing is to look around you and see what other people have that you don't have. Compare husbands, compare wives, compare your hair. If you don't have any, compare to people that do have hair. Compare your house, compare how many friends you you have on Facebook. Compare appliances. Are you seriously still putting laundry in one of those machines that you load from the top? That is so 90s. I mean, come on. Compare. Compare your bodies. Compare cars. Forget about the fact that if you own a car, even if it's a piece of junk, you're in the top 3% of the people in the world. Forget about that. Just look at those people who have a nicer one. Compare salaries. Forget about the fact that if you make $50,000 a year, you're in the top 1% of the world. Wouldn't it be nice to be in the top half percent of the world? Come on. Just compare. You want to wreck your life with dissatisfaction, be ungrateful, compare, and think temporary, not eternal. Okay? I mean, you're going to hear scriptures and, you know, people are going to tell you stuff like Hebrews that, we should, that we're receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken and we should be thankful and we should worship God. You know, if you're a believer, people are going to say, yeah, you know, someday you're going to get to leave this place and you're going to get to go to heaven. It's going to be perfect and, you know, you're going to have a, a glorious new body and all, all of those who've gone before you are going to be there. You're going to be together with them forever. It's going to, you're going to have a mansion in heaven. God's going to be there. No more tears. No more death. You know, but don't think about all that stuff. Nobody cares about that stuff. We live now. We live in the here and now. That, that's the problem. And Jesus' answer to this, to this barn guy, to the guy that, you know, that, that couldn't figure it out, the, the guy who was comparing, it was, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed because a man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. But, but we know we know that it does. More is better. Bigger is better. We know that. That's why we spend so much time on the things that are now, the things that are here. It's important. Eternal is a long time from now. And the only problem is that the, the thing that Jesus said to the guy, uh, that, that Jesus said that God said to the barn guy in the parable the guy who was going to, you know, there's always something better. I'm going to build bigger barns and then everything's going to be perfect in my life. He said, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded of you. This is how it'll be with anyone who stores up for himself but is not rich towards God. But don't think about that. Think about now. Wreck your life, dissatisfaction, be ungrateful, compare, think temporary. Most importantly, have an attitude of entitlement. Attitude of entitlement. I deserve this. You deserve a break today. You're worth it. You know, whatever all the ads say, you believe all that. You know what? I, I, I know the wages of sin is death, and that's what I really believe. But doggone it, I've, I've been a pretty good person. I, I've, I've done a lot. I deserve this. I've worked really hard. I deserve this. I deserve this $60,000 boat on my $30,000 salary. Don't let people tell you that you don't. You know, you do. You deserve it. Go get a loan and don't worry about it. Go for it. That's how, that's how you do this. You, you, can, you can make this happen. You can be ungrateful. You can compare to other people. You see how easy this is? Think temporary and have an attitude of entitlement. And you will wreck your life with dissatisfaction. 
That's really painful, isn't it? It is, it is, hard, it is hard to preach this way. <laughs> and this is not hard to preach this way because I, I know I believe the opposite. It's hard to preach this way because I do this all the time. And so do you. I'm just like you. You know, this whole sermon series is all stuff that, that I have the same problem with as you. Anything I preach on, I have the same problem as you. We talked about adultery the first week. I, I'm the most happily married man on the planet. Almost 31 years. But I could still screw it up. I know that. Faith. You know, Casey did a great job last week talking about our faith. Do you think I have a bat phone to God? Do you think when I have those questions that I like pick up this little phone and God goes, oh, here, let me fix that for you? I, I still have to read the same Bible. I still have to pray the same prayers. And after being a Christian all my life and 32 years in ministry, I still struggle with some faith issues. Dissatisfaction? Yeah. After 53 years on the planet, I still believe the lie of something better. Now, if I think about it, I believe that I am the most blessed person on the planet. I really do. I don't think anybody's blessed any more than me. Absolutely, unequivocally. But that lie's always out there. Sky Mall's always out there. There's something else. The lie of something better. And the second reason it's hard, it's not just that I'm like you, it's that I know Satan's not going to go away. I, I know he's going to be there until my dying day. You know, me laying, you know, in my bed in the hospital, looking over at the bed next to me, thinking, that's a better bed than the one I've got, right? <laughs> that's just what we do, you guys. I get it, okay? And it's never going to go away. So how do we solve it? An interesting thing, you know, is that Jesus just didn't have anything to do with it. He, he didn't even own a house. He didn't own anything. He didn't care. The other interesting thing is, is the Apostle Paul. Because the Apostle Paul was a guy who had everything. He was wealthy. He had the pedigree. He had all the, all the wonderful things that, that money and life could, could afford him. Then he became a believer and went to prison and was persecuted for his beliefs. So he, he said, look, I've had a lot. I've had a little. I've learned to be content no matter what. And he gets to this place where he says this. Whatever was to my profit, I now consider it loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. I consider them rubbish that I might gain Christ. Now, you heard me talk about this before. The, the problem is the translators were afraid to do a good translation of rubbish. Because the word there is not rubbish. The word is scubalon, and it is the word for biohazard. <laughs> it's the word for what I threw my iPhone in, if you heard that story. It's the word for human excrement, okay? We'll go with caca. How about that, all right? It's, uh, what he's saying is, I consider them caca that I might gain Christ. Everything else. As a matter of fact, most scholars believe that the scubalon word was something that would have been kind of like a no-no for somebody to say, that basically what Paul was doing was being really graphic and really throwing it at the Philippians and going, hey, I I consider everything else a big pile of the S word that, that we would use, not the scubalon word, compared to Christ. That's, that's how much I want you to know this. Everything else is just a big pile. 
And there's two ways you can live your life. You can live your life that way and say, you know what, all those other things are wonderful and good, and maybe I'll get some, maybe I won't, but it doesn't matter because I have Jesus. Or we can be like the, the Romans that Paul wrote about, who said, for although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God. Okay, they knew God, but they kind of got stuck in the lie of something better. They neither glorified God or gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. See, the problem is, if you live with everything else being scubalon and Christ is the only thing that's important to you, then you're going to be close to God. If you live with the, oh, I'm ungrateful and I, you know, God, how come I don't have this and how come I don't have that, then you're going to be ungrateful over here and you're going to start to go, God's not going to leave you, but you're going to start to go farther away. It says their thinking started to become futile and their hearts became dark. So you have a choice to make. Went on, uh, I took my own advice and invested in my marriage. Um, since I was already in California last week, I took a, a week of vacation with my wife. We went someplace warm. Our 31st anniversary is coming up in a couple of weeks, and, and we just went someplace warm, you know, for some sunshine, some good shigah. And, um, and uh, we sat on the beach and had some time to contemplate things. And at one point, you know, one of us, I think maybe it was Denise, said, you know, we ought to think of a bucket list. You know, we ought to think of the things that we still want to do left in our life because a lot of good stuff's happened, but what is it that we still have left to do? And we started doing that for a while, and we just kind of realized our heart wasn't in it. And so then she said, hey, I got a better idea. How about if we do an overflowing bucket list, and, and let's go ahead and think about all the things that God has allowed us to do, all the things that God has done in our life, all the things that, whether they were on our bucket list or not, that we, we've been blessed by. Let's start doing that. And so we started doing that. And I got to tell you, we were rattling stuff off so fast that, that her thumbs couldn't hold up. I mean, we got a list on her, on her phone. We, she couldn't keep up with it. It was like, oh yeah, this, and oh yeah, that, and God's given us this, and God's given us that. And when you stop and do that in your life, I don't care how much scuba on you've had in your life, if you start doing that, you start to realize that God has already been really, really good to you. Give thanks to the Lord, the Bible says. Call on his name. Make known his deeds among the people. Sing praise of him. Tell of his wonderful acts. Remember the wonders he has done. So I want to challenge you to do that this week. I want to challenge you to do an overflowing bucket list. It's the opposite of how to wreck your life. It's take a moment and think about all the things that God has done for you. And if you need a start, I thought, well, maybe we'll just go back to Scripture, back to a psalm that a lot of you have memorized at some point along the way, and maybe this will help you, all right? We're going to do it out of the King James because that's how most of us memorized, and I want you to read it out loud with me and quote it out loud with me if you can. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Did you catch that? My cup overflows. 
I mean, David wrote it. He, he, he didn't always have the best time, right? He, had, he, he didn't always have a, a wonderful life. He was the king, but he didn't always have a wonderful life. He had to face Goliath. He had a lion and a bear that he had to kill. He had a messed up family. He screwed up his life, but, but he could stop at that moment and say, you know what, if I think about it, my bucket overflows. So, so what I want you to do is to do the same thing this week. Just, just do an overflowing bucket list. It's okay to have a bucket list. It's all, all good to have more things that you want to do. I do, and I hope you do too. But it's really important if you don't want to wreck your life that you spend more time thanking God for the good stuff than you do begging God for the stuff that you think you need. Our bucket list, of course, ended with you know the birth of our grandson, one of the most important things that's happened in our life. Hopefully there will be more, but it was just that, that, that thing in life. And then that reminded me of the movie, The Bucket List, with Jack Nicholson and Morgan Freeman, because in the movie, on his bucket list, Jack Nicholson thinks that he wants to kiss the most beautiful girl in the world, and when the movie's all done, the most beautiful girl in the world turns out to be his granddaughter. Here's the scene. We do communion every week, in case you're new. Um, the reason we do it is because it kind of like resets our bucket list, you know? Kind of like, kind of helps us go, okay, yeah, you know what? Everything else is on compared to this. I'm Tim. I'm a sinner. I don't deserve heaven. I don't deserve the Holy Spirit in my life. I don't deserve all the blessings that I have. And because of this, this bread and this cup that we're going to partake of, I get all that and more. Everything else is scubalon compared to this. And that changes our perspective every week. Helps us walk out of here realizing that the things God wants for us are, are good. And all that other stuff in Sky Mall, it's just, it just doesn't matter. If you don't have Jesus... Pray with me now. We're going to do communion together. <clears throat> Lord, we're going to watch, uh, both of us are going to watch a game we really don't care about today and sit around and eat food we shouldn't eat and watch commercials about stuff we shouldn't buy. That's uh, <laughs> one of our national pastimes. And um, that's okay. Because I'm, I'm going to sit there and and laugh at the funny ads and not pay attention to the game and chat with some good friends and realize that my bucket overflows and goodness and mercy are following me all the days of my life and, and that I'm going to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And the crazy thing for me is that I'm going to dwell in the house of the Lord forever and I've had an amazing, blessed life here. I pray that you'll help me to keep that perspective. And I pray that you'll help every one of us to keep that perspective. Lord, these people dug themselves out so that they could come and worship you today. 
There's something, something deep going on inside of them. And, and I know some people couldn't. Some people didn't have four-wheel drive. Some people couldn't make it out. I'm not judging them, Lord. I'm just saying these people wanted to be here. That's why I'm glad I'm here. And if there's somebody that wanted to be here because they weren't sure that they were going to dwell in the house of the Lord forever, then let this blizzard be the day that they say yes to you. All they've got to do is say yes to you. Jesus, I want you to be my Lord and my Savior. Though my sins be as scarlet, they can be as white as snow. Today, For all of us, that realization makes everything else feel like a big pile of scubalon. Nothing else matters compared to knowing you. So be with us as we commune in Jesus' name.